One of the favorite people I've interviewed my entire career. I think the greatest boxing blow-by-blow commentator of all time in town for the fight. Jim Lampley joins us. Jim, great to talk to you again. Hope you're well. Good to talk to you, JT. Hope you're doing well also. Absolutely. Let's jump in. You have and you still have a massive fastball left in your arsenal. When you look back on your entire career, calling fights, being there ringside, what brings you the greatest joy at this stage in your life with all the great events you broadcast in the past? Um, just the general relationship with the culture of the sport. Uh, it's the most human of sports. I always say that to people. Well, we don't have, aside from the gloves, some gimmick convention by which to uh, enhance the metaphor for life. Uh, this is life. Boxing is the most directly metaphorical sport. It's the one that tells us the most about ourselves as human beings. I've always felt that way. Uh, so I love fighters, and, and I love fight people. I had the privilege last night of going out and having dinner with uh, six or eight prominent boxing writers and uh, a couple of other people from uh, the, the organization I'm working with, ppb.com, uh, and it's been fantastic great fun rejuvenating to get back into this after five years uh in the shade of the pine trees and uh, <laughs> and uh, oak trees in chapel hill uh in a totally quiet peaceful uh academic environment other than when a crazy gunman uh, goes and shoots somebody in a lab but uh but other than that it's been really um peaceful and rewarding etc and last night I was back in in the maelstrom, back awesome. in the middle of all this sound and light and uh, electronics and stuff like that. And it was, you know, it was fun. Uh, I, I missed it, and I enjoyed being back. Jim, what's bigger, the big biggest of the biggest fights, the spectacle of it, especially if it's a good fight, or the upset that you've called coming out of nowhere that just makes it so much bigger because not many people expected it? Well, they're both they're both big, you know, and they're both meaningful. I mean, look, uh, the the two most colossal upsets I called that people think of as coming out of nowhere were Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson in Tokyo and George Foreman beating Michael Moore here in Las Vegas to win the heavyweight championship at 45. And you could say, okay, those come out of nowhere, but they were both heavyweight championship fights. That's the symbolic pinnacle of the sport. Uh, so. It wasn't as if I was uh, in some out-of-the-way backyard neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I was right there in the center of the biggest of the drama at the moment when those two things took place. And those were the two most surprising moments and most surprising results, although uh, in both instances, learning what I've learned about boxing over the years, knowing all the things I know, looking back both in terms of uh, the dynamics of the sport and the dynamics of the human beings involved, not as unpredictable as people thought. Uh, and there were logical reasons in both instances to realize that what took place could take place. Jim Lampley will get into what he's doing with PPV.com coming up with the fight. Jim, the other thing, I'm mostly an NFL show here, especially in this day part. And your involvement in the NFL with NBC as a studio host, the work you've done in the past, what did you see early on in your broadcasting career in the NFL, and now you see it 
with the size of these stadiums, what Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft has done, Mark Davis and Allegiant Stadium, SoFi Stadium, and, and what's happening in the evolution of television with Amazon Prime and all from Monday night football to Sunday night football being the biggest show. Are you a fan of the NFL? Do you think of it the same way as you did when you got into it as a broadcaster? Well, listen, I, I, there's a difference between the romance of, of when I was eight years old, uh, sitting with my mother in a living room in Hendersonville, North Carolina, watching on a black and white television set as a former down-on-his-luck sandlot cast-off quarterback uh, <laughs> wearing number 19 for the Baltimore Colts, calmly drives the Colts down the field to beat the Giants 23-17 in the very first overtime game ever played in NFL football. That I witnessed that event, and I've seen everything else that springs forth and plays off of that going forward to this day, including Joe Namath's, uh, I guarantee it, mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, Miami. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I paid attention to what Merchant wrote in National Football Lottery. I understood that the NFL was subsuming baseball's role as the national sport. I understood that betting had uh, a great deal to do with that. And now we've just gone further and further and further and expanding all of the interactions and atmospherics that uh, that kind of thing launched and instigated. One of the things that I teach in my course at the University of North Carolina, uh, Evolution of Storytelling in American Electronic News Media, Mm -hmm. is how uh, basic evolution in engineering, business structures, profit, personnel, etc., all lead to changes in the content that's on the air. Content is the product of all the circumstances that surround it, whether we're talking about news, sports, or entertainment. So uh, in my course, I tried to teach students how to understand, here's a new piece of technology. How's that going to change the way the stories are told? Here's a new person who means something and is making a mark. How's that going to change the way stories are told? Here's a new story that deeply impacts mankind talking COVID. How's that going to change the way stories are told? That was what it was all about. And what you're talking about with regard to the NFL is exactly the same thing. It's it's a whole lot of micro circumstances banding together to form macro, which is this huge complex of factors, which leads to bigger stadiums, um, better looking cheerleaders, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through in the continuing evolution of American sports. Jim Lampley is our guest, Boxing Hall of Famer, iconic broadcaster. Uh, one more thing about your course, which I wasn't too aware of, and it sounds unbelievable. Love to see this class and these students and how much they're getting out of it. With cable sports and some of the argument shows and the embrace debate and the clickbait shows and the louder shows, and instead of having two people talk, now there's 11 or 12 screaming over each other. Where do you stand with that? What direction are we going with when it comes to broadcasting talk shows or studio shows that seem to be dumbing down to the lowest common denominator and getting louder. I love you, JT. You're a very honest person and you have never shied away from the truth. Uh, You know, everybody in our sector of the world, particularly the boxing audience still hurts to a certain degree that uh, new ownership at uh, uh, time Warner slash HBO decided to, uh, to get rid of boxing that mm-hmm. that hurt 
Um, and uh, uh, recently, we we saw the uh, the next step in the process, which was the demise of real sports. Real sports was in its heyday, mm-hmm. uh, uniquely intelligent, uniquely informative, uh, honest, journalistic look at sports stories and circumstances. I won two Emmys for best sports reporting because of stories about the matrix of gambling and sports on uh, real sports. Mm-hmm. Now, Bryant, Bryant retires, Joe goes away, and there's yet another intelligent, broad-based forum in sports that needs to be somehow recreated or duplicated uh, in another space. So uh, I love the fact that even just doing this interview with you, first time we've been together in a few years, mm-hmm. I can tell that your uh, view of sports and your uh, context and your table of contents for the questions you ask and the interviews that you want to do uh, is bigger, broader, more academic, and more informed than it was 15, 20 years ago uh, when we were first doing this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Congratulations to you. Appreciate on the that. That I can already hear your exhibiting. Uh, Jim, tell me about the fight. Uh, Canelo, Charlo, what should we expect here? I like legacy fights. I like when three belts are on the line from one division, four and the other. But I don't think a lot of people understand Canelo's opponent and the trials and tribulations of his career. What's at stake Saturday night at T-Mobile? There's a discovery story with regard to Charlo. You're absolutely right. People don't understand the trials and tribulations of his career. And uh, I'm sure that Mauro Ranallo and his colleagues on the uh, Showtime broadcast are going to get to that and handle it well. Uh, I think Lance Pugmire and I might have a few things to say also on ppv.com. Um, the, the center of the story, obviously, is the number one fighter in the sport. And he, he made a mass-making error. I, I, I was startled when he took the fight. I still don't understand who it was or why it was that somebody thought it was a good idea to fight Dimitri Bivol. He didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. There was nobody here in the Western world boxing audience saying, ah, I absolutely demand to see him against Bivol. He's not legit if he doesn't fight him. Nonsense. Bivol was a Russian fighter. He was easy to ignore if Canelo wanted to ignore him. So why did he fight somebody who was longer, stronger, very athletic, tremendous craft? Uh, It was a risk he didn't need to take. And now he has paid a price for it. What's the price? He's no longer pound for pound number one. He was pound for pound number one. He was pound for pound number one and dollar for dollar number one. Uh, Not always an easy thing to do, but he did it. And uh, and he was on his way to stamping himself pretty indisputably as the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. And then he had the little stumble against the bowl. So uh, I think he's trying to he's a very proud man, mm-hmm. uh, driven by pride every step of the way. It's never been entirely about money for Canelo. It's always about his identity, where he places himself within his culture. Uh, and I, I think he still wants that and is still chasing it. What would be the biggest thing he could do before he ceases his uh, fantastic boxing career? Get back to pound for pound number one. Mm-hmm. What does that now require? It requires a fight with Terrence Crawford. Uh, in, in order to be pound for pound number one on this planet at this moment, you've got to beat Terrence Crawford. And uh, Canelo, as we know, is the larger of the two men and has tremendous boxing craft, just as does Crawford. It's a dream fight. Uh, and and it's a dream fight, regardless of at which weight it could take place. But Canelo's got to beat uh, Charlo, which is no walk in the park, yes. uh, no easy call. 
in order to get to that plateau. Uh, and if Charlo beats Canelo, now you're talking about another contender uh, to go forward, fight Crawford, and get the pound-for-pound number one. Or maybe his older brother, or older brother, larger brother, mm-hmm. larger brother Jamal uh, is the one who gets that opportunity. There are, there are uh, a handful of interconnected stories that swirl around this fight, but by far the biggest one is, can Canelo finish his career on the plateau where he wants to be? ppv.com will be live streaming all the action Saturday, September 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern. The live stream features the return of the legendary boxing journalist, our guest, Jim Lampley, who will co-host the viewer chat in real time. I'll see you at the fight, Jim. Great to connect with you again on the radio. Uh, Same thing, JT. Great to talk to you as well.